You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie and I'm here with Christy Mm -hmm. and we have an amazing special guest today that Christy's going to introduce. We usually do a big intro. We do. Which is fun. Mm -hmm. We love it and Mm -hmm. our people love it. Mm -hmm. But today we have um, somebody that we decided we just want to spend all the time on. Or Mm -hmm. I did. I made an executive decision. (laughs) Christy came in. She's like, well, the intro. I'm like, no, I don't think we do an intro. We want all the time. All the time. (laughs) For this special Uh person, this special Mm -hmm. guest. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to let um, Christy introduce her. <laughs> She's already tearing up. Um, I'm gonna let Christy introduce her, and then and this is gonna be a great episode. I'm so excited about it. Are you? And excited? I ho- I am, and I hope people stick with us and listen because I think okay. it's gonna be really good. Okay. And Christy's oh. like, oh man, I don't know if I'm as excited, but I am excited for you, our guest. Um, but like there was. There was a lady that came up to church to me like two weeks ago, and she walks up to me. And I love her. She's super sweet, kind, sweet lady, and she puts her hand on her back on my back, and she's just like, "Hi, it's been so long. How are you doing?" And she keeps rubbing my back as we're walking, and I'm like, "Okay, like you can stop rubbing my back now." <laughs> love this lady, older older lady, but she does, and she was like, "Oh, you doing good?" And I was like, "I'm I'm doing great. Stop rubbing my back. What is happening?" <laughs> she's trying to comfort no, you. Listen. So then she goes. I read your mom's book. Oh. I just feel like I know you. And oh. I was like, I now feel naked. I feel totally <laughs> naked. I am like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, okay, that's why she's rubbing my back. Cause she just, so she's comforting you. She's comforting she me. Is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the introduction is that this is my mom. We call her KK. And in the prayer, you called her K, which is funny, but her grandma name is KK. Um, and so we all call her KK. That's my mom. I've known her for 47 years. She birthed me. She's my birth giver. As Creighton calls birth me, giver. my birth giver. So this is KK, mother of four kids, and she just wrote a great book. It's been out for almost a year. It's October 22. Will be a published. year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, and we are excited. I'm excited to have her on here. Thank you. And so Debbie's read the book, and she's got notes, and she's excited to dive in. I am. So I'm going to let you take it. Well, I just like to have both Christy and her mom here. And we've shared some of your family story sure. on our I, podcast. I, listen. I heard. I've heard. Did you listen to it? I heard, yeah. You're such a brave lady. That oh, would be so hard oh, because so it, you were such a part of the story, obviously, but we shared about James, your yeah. son, Christy's brother, and yeah. just the gut-wrenching and heart-wrenching story that that is. But um, the sweetness that you talk about him and that you share about him in the book and that Christy shared about him is really sweet. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into some of that. But... Um, I just love the fact you're both on here together. Yeah, be fun. <laughs> so this is going to turn in. This is Kay and her book. KK, I guess uh-huh. I should call yeah. you. Um, her, she does. In all fairness, your author name on the book is Kay Whitaker. Right. So how come you didn't do KK on your book? Just out of curiosity. Well, That's a good question. For um, the future, I figured people would want to know who wrote this book. Yeah. And on your tombstone, it doesn't say KK. It might. Not yet. For Have you already printed might. your tombstone? No, but your I mean, my, my maiden, printed. well, everybody, most people know me now since I've remarried yeah. as Nelson yeah. in golf and church. Yeah. But as far as writing a book, all of my past, 
that know me from my oh. my childhood and stuff. And oh. in high school, it's Kay Whitaker. That's my maiden name. Yes. And that's what Christy named her oldest son. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is so cool. sweet. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and so, yes, that's what that was one of my questions to ask yeah. you. So we just got to it. So that makes sense. If you want people to know who wrote the book and. Well, and, and in all of my yeah college, years. I was yes, Kay, Whitaker, Kay Whitaker. And in my finances and everything that I've, after I've been divorced, you know, and then I remarried, I thought, I don't want to change my name anymore. I yeah. Just keep it my maiden name. True yeah. Story. So, I, you know, it's, it's that's another enough. story there. <laughs> we will go through uh-huh. the name changes. Uh-huh. We will. So Kay Whitaker, otherwise we call her KK. And we'll call her KK on the interview. Because um, that's how people around here know you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you named your book Flourish Because. Correct. Flourish is in bloom, bloom grow, blossom. thrive, right? So tell us word. why you named it that. Well, I got to go back. Um, when I decided, when I found, I got a commission from the Lord to write this book from a friend. And um, I already had the title. The Lord just gave me the title right off the bat. I mean, it was no sweat. Even In fact, the guy that published my book, he said, um, well, we can help you with the title. And I said, no problem. I already got it. And it was Flourish because, because of his word and because of who he is in me and in my circumstances. After I got the book and I started reading my own words in a published book, and I started looking at each chapter, and each chapter there's scripture. And, I, and the Lord just said, okay, Flourish because... The steps of a man are established by the Lord. And so there's 30 chapters. There's 30 daily affirmations. If you just take that title and you memorize a scripture, you're ready for the day. Awesome. Oh, that's good. That's so sweet. I love it. That's good. So let's start your early years. Tell us where you were born. All right. I was born in Fort Worth, Texas to Marjorie and Doyle Whitaker. And they were were, uh, 19 years old when they had me when they got married so they were 20 when they had me and they were very young and um like mother says young and stupid and um we lived in fort worth while daddy went to tcu he was a football player for tcu on a scholarship and then he ended up uh, getting off the football team and was a geologist and so that led us into his career his geology uh, major I mean, he got his master's in geology. So from there, we moved several places, a lot of places. Uh, we left. We followed the oil field is what we did. And so I was born in Fort Worth in 1952, and then my brother was also born in Fort Worth. And then we took off and went to Midland, a big oil field, went to Amarillo, where my sister was born. And then we ended up in Calgary, Canada. Uh, for the oil fields up there and he was a geologist he would find the wells he'd find the gas or the oil and then they would drill and he was very successful because he was a good geologist Mm -hmm. because you did move around yeah we did move a lot a lot um and what's interesting is as you're going over things in your book you kind of will pull these strands of different stories that are a part of kind of what you remember right growing up what, so I wanted to, there's just a couple stories okay. I wanted to ask about. Um, one of them was your sister, Cheryl. Oh, yeah. That was a big deal. Who was um, lost. lost. She and walked so, away. Yeah, yeah, she walked away. In the morning, they go mm-hmm. to find her, and she's right. not there. Yeah, and we, your dogs are missing. Yeah. Well, so tell us about that. Well, it was a Sunday morning, and we usually go. We get up at 730, you know, and everybody gets ready to go to church. And, and this is in Jackson, Mississippi. After we left Calgary, we moved to Jackson, and then from Jackson to Houston, and then that's everything else is later. But anyway, um, she she was a big – she's a big pet lover. She loves dogs, and we had one dog. 
And um, and so um, she got up because Rebel was his and name. She's the youngest. Of she's the, three. the youngest. Yeah. yeah, she was only like four or five years yeah. old. And where we had moved to, we had built. Dad, and Mom had built this new house in this new subdivision, very wooded, a lot of pine trees, very wooded and and real rurally feeling. But it was it was in the city. And so we all get up. Well, she follows Rebel out the back door, and then she and and then and Ren Ten from up the street. That dog, he was playing with Rebel, and so they, she took off. They started running off, so she runs off with them into the woods. And uh, then we get up, and we're in there eating breakfast. Me and, and my brother, he doesn't ever want to go to church, so it's always it was always a fight to get Russell to get dressed yeah. and so. And so then mother's looking around. She goes, well, where's Cheryl? And I said, well, I don't know. She didn't up. And so I went back and then she went in her bed. And then the, as the day grew and the events happened, she was lost for over, over eight hours. And I mean, they had police oh, the, and dogs and it was, helicopters. I had nightmares and- about it after as a little kid um, after we found, after they found her. But anyway, she wandered off. She crossed over and we've been back to visit that area where we live, that house where we live. When we went, go to Florida, we go through Jackson. And um, Cheryl had to walk through. I mean, a couple miles. I mean, she walked through this pine-covered, pine-needle forest, you know, and then she crossed a a frontage road, walked under a freeway, and then she walked to this field that was behind my junior high. And uh, for no one to find her or pick, you know, it was just like, oh, man, if it had been today, that would have been bad news. So scary. And so uh, she ended up in this wooded area behind my junior high, and this guy, this man and his son were out collecting insects looking for a science project and they he found, found her. her and she's laying there with her back up against a um back up against a tree and the dog slaps her on her head on her legs and she um she, he just says he goes well how are you what's going on and she goes i just wish i was peter pan so i could fly home oh <laughs> Yeah. And and the reason I know all these details is my bless my mom she saves a lot of stuff. Well, she saved the Jackson Clarion Ledger newspaper. My dad's face. It's a picture in the book. My dad's yeah, face. Yeah, I saw it. He was crying like crazy, and, and he's got holding a, her. He's, he got a. They got a picture of him crying, holding her. It's black mm. and white. But yeah, the governor was there. The mayor was there. Our pastor was there. All these friends and family were there. The whole street. There are only three houses on the whole street. And it was packed with cars and people and prisoners, trustees in white uniforms, walking through the woods looking for. Well, speaking of your parents, um, one thing I wrote down about them is your parents seem amazing. They are. Your dad seems like just amazing. You've been through a lot. And at a time, during a time when I'm not sure women typically got a whole lot of support when they had to make the type of decisions you had to make. Um, And they were wholeheartedly behind you every step of the way so tell me like as you're remembering growing up what are the memories of them as parents like that you think were formative that like shaped you well the main word when I think of my mother and my father is love Mm -hmm. true love because um you know they they were disciplinarians they weren't mean they weren't ever cruel they weren't ever um you know unreasonable and and for me to go through the things I've gone through and to have them so a part of me and what I've gone through is um, amazing because there's so many people that um, I've talked with that they said their parents said, you made your bed lie in it. And dad never would say that. And I just felt like they were part of me. He, I was part of them. And not only them, but there's a lot in there about my mother and my dad's 
grandparents, my yes. grandparents, because yeah. they were equally, because he was their only son. He was precious in their sight. <laughs> I mean, no kidding. And it was wonderful, though, because we were equally, the three of us were equally precious in their sight. I mean, I'm not, I don't even think I'm as a, a doting grandparent as much as my grandparents were. Mm. I mean, they were amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I just, that struck me as I was, that was some of the things that as I was writing, kind of making notes down was just how often you called upon your parents and they yeah. were just there. And even they were there when you were like, didn't necessarily call right. them. They were, they understood that they could insert themselves. That was a given, right? It was understood yes. that you guys could be involved in each other's lives. Yeah. Um, which I think is amazing. So you end up going to TCU. Right. And there's a lot, by the way, there's going to be, we're going to do... <laughs> Big picture stuff and get down to some details. But if you really want to know details, you're going to have to read the book because there's a lot we're not going to have. It's on Amazon. <laughs> um, I downloaded it on my Kindle. So oh, it's super easy. There you go. Um, and so, you know, if you really want a lot of details, you're going to have to read the book because we're not going to be able to get into everything. But you go to TCU and at TCU, I think, is where you meet someone. Right? Oh, you want to talk about first marriage? First marriage. <laughs> Number one. Number Let's keep one. Yeah, keep count. Keep count. Don't keep count, please. Okay. Let's <laughs> start. Yes. Number one, I was at TCU and um, I was rooming with my friend, precious friend Janice, and they had just become Christians, Janice and Josh, and they were so excited. Yes, and they were a couple. Them. Oh yeah, they, they were, were friends of yeah. yours. And, she came yeah. from Tennessee. He'd been there. He was a year older than us, and he was my friend. She came our sophomore year, and. Um, they had met this guy, and I was kind of lost my sophomore year. It was kind of after the Jesus Revolution. We were all part of that at TCU, and and then after about a year, it just kind of, kind of, it wasn't as big a deal, mm-hmm. you know, as it was the first or seventy, seventy to seventy one, and so um, I um, in seventy one I was kind of searching just didn't want didn't want to get married I just thought I don't want to even date anybody and so they said oh we met this great guy he's going to the seminary going to Southwestern Seminary Baptist Seminary and oh he's real cute and everything and I thought well okay you know I'll meet him and because he kind of fit the bill and so we went out and um, he was very poor I mean he was just a struggling kid going to seminary Uh, he'd gone to University of Kentucky and um, his family was really poor and so we didn't do anything much except just go to the park and study or talk, you know. I mean, we didn't, he didn't even, yeah, he had a car, but we didn't drive, we didn't drive too much and do that stuff. But anyway, it was um, kind of unusual because there were things I kind of got attracted to him because he was cute. And, um, but he just wasn't physically, there was no emotion, no, no sparks. And I thought, well, God, this should be better than this, you know. And because I had a boyfriend in high school and we, we had, you know, it was a sparky relationship. And, um, so anyway, um, he, um, he and I, he asked me to marry him and it just kind of everything barrel rolled. And I'm to tell you the truth, Debbie, it was kind of, um, hard for me to even reach back into why and what, why did I do what I did? Why did I want to marry this guy? Like when you were writing this, you were trying to reach back and it was hard and for you. Yeah, to, no, I couldn't recollect a very, and what's so weird is I had written this huge diary. I was always writing and journaling and stuff. And after this relationship was over, I was so hurt and upset. I threw everything away. I threw all those memories mm. away. So you I tried to throw pictures away too. Yeah, I but did. Grandma I and did Mama throw, didn't I did let throw go. pictures Stop. away of that relationship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you do you do end up getting married though? Yeah, we got married, and um, 
we got married in a huge wedding. I mean, you know, dad and mom and dad would say when looking back, he, he apologized with tears looking back at how that relationship ended. And he was just, I mean, I've never seen my dad so humble. He just grabbed me and held me and hugged me and cried and said, okay, I'm so sorry. We should have known. We should have seen, you know, was this after, this is after I came back from Kerrville after Christy was born and he didn't want to have anything to do with it. So we are talking about Christy's biological father. Yes, her biological father. Um, In that marriage, it just starts deteriorating pretty quickly. Yes. And like very fast to where he just starts disappearing all the time. And he's gone and he's gone. He actually, at the hospital, when you're having Mm -hmm. Christy, he wanted a boy. When it wasn't a boy, he didn't even come see you. He didn't. Mm-hmm. No. My, well, he actually came up because my dad told him. He called him and he said, yeah, get, that's your, true. get the hell your butt yeah. up here to the hospital. Right. That's what he said. And um, so he, dad was very angry. Well, he came up, got me, brought me back to the house, and mother was going to stay with me, her first grandchild, mm-hmm. and take care of me and the baby. Well, she didn't realize how bad the tension was in the house because he was never there. He would never, he wouldn't come home till like two in the morning. And I was always by myself. And so she saw all of this and she was like, okay, I just can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on with him, but I'm going to go home. Mm -hmm. So um, she left and she went to to San Antonio. I can't remember who took her, but she flew back. They kind of thought maybe he just did not like them. Yeah, right. That's exactly. And what so they he thought. was not around because of them. But, so yeah, and that I played tell, into it. Some, yeah, I didn't right? tell them a lot that was going on. Oh, well, she had been gone a couple of days, and then one night I was waiting for him to come home, and he never came home. And I, you know, getting up to feed Christy, you know, to nurse her and stuff. And uh, he walks in, and he's he's crazed. I mean, he's pacing up and down at the foot of the bed. And I had put Christy to bed, and I was back in the bed reading. And he's pacing back and forth, and he's just putting his hands on his head and just saying, I'm going crazy, I'm going crazy. And I was just, what? What is going on? And um, it was very scary. And then all of a sudden, he just changed tone, and he was like, oh, I need to go hold my little baby. I need to go hold my little girl. And I was like, you didn't even want a girl. I'm sitting there. So I jump up, and I go grab her. And when I grab her, I come back to the bedroom. He's gone. His car's gone. He's gone. So I was so terrified that I called a lady that had befriended me, a lady named Sue, and I called her first thing in the morning, like at six in the morning. And um, no, first I did. First thing I did is I drove to the courthouse square. There was a phone booth in the courthouse square because I didn't want to call from the house, the landline at the house, because I was afraid he's going to come home because I wanted to leave. I was just I can't take this. I couldn't take it. And, and I was afraid for our safety. And so I went to the courthouse corner and, and called Dad. And he said, you get Sue to get you and Christy out of there. And I'll get Mother to come to the airport. And so Mother flew to the San Antonio airport. And um, they brought took me to the airport. And it was just a whirlwind. I just barely, I just looked at all the stuff that we, the wedding, all the gifts, you know, from your wedding. And I'm looking around going, well, bye-bye. I don't need this stuff. I need some peace. I need my. I need an environment where we can, you know, Christy and I can get over this pregnancy and stuff and get settled down. And so um, it all happened, and we all got there, and I ended up flying to Houston. And uh, come to find out, the lady that took me to the airport the next day, she went by the house. And she called me, and she goes, Kay, you will not believe this. And I said, what? She said, everything in your house is gone 
And I said, gone? And she goes, yeah, after you, he read your letter. I guess he just left and nobody at the church knows where he is and he's gone. We need to say what his job was because you would think listening that his job would not be what it was. Okay. Um, what was his job? Well, as I said before, he went to Southwestern Baptist mm-hmm. Seminary in Fort Worth. And when he graduated, he became a uh, youth pastor. And actually, while he was in his last semester at the seminary, he was a uh, youth pastor down in Kerrville, Texas, at a Baptist church. So he was a youth pastor, though, when you had Christy. He was working at a church. Yeah, he was a youth pastor. And so then when he went and took all of your things from your house, he leaves. He's a youth pastor, and he's actually having to leave that job as well. And there were other things going on at the church with him that you didn't even realize exactly were issues that kind of came out later. Right. And, and Sue, this lady, she's the one that let me know what was going on. And she, she said, I don't want to tell you everything. This is when we were driving to the airport. And she said, I don't want to tell you everything, Kay, but he's really having trouble at, at church, at church. And she said, even the pastor's kind of getting in some trouble. And I was, I mean, I was so naive. I was just like, what? And she just said, well, this is an example he gets really angry at the youth in the youth ministry, the, some of the kids. And there's this one kid, he flushes his head in the toilet. He sticks his head in the toilet and flushes it. And she said he was just fixing to get fired when you left and he left. He wasn't actually fired mm. yet. So he, he just left. Was, at that point, he it just was left. Done. You go to Houston now and you're going to stay with your parents, right? right? If I remember them. that right, you're mm-hmm. living with them. Again, mm-hmm. mom and dad taking care of you, taking care of Christy. They sound like amazing grandparents. Oh, taking they love babies. They love, love, love. And so you're there now um, and your dad decides that he would like you to have a space. Yeah. So he helps you get a house. Well, it was a little condo. Our little condo. Yeah. And, and so you real... live there with Christy, which is sweet. And you get a job and you're mm-hmm. able to work and take it. And then you meet somebody else. Well, we were going to this church called Evangelistic Temple and it was a charismatic church. And, um, I, I started when the divorce was final, I started going to this singles group they had because mom and dad were like you need to get out you need to have life blah blah blah. and so I would go to the singles group on Sunday and mom and dad would go but and we'd put Christy in the nursery and um and so I met John a guy named John and um he um was just so charismatic in fact I have a friend that was part of that singles group and we she came to our white bluff a couple of weeks ago and she said Kay I, I we talked about everything because mm-hmm. she had read the book and and I said she said Kay I just know I always thought John was so dynamic and good looking and talented and all this stuff and she said I could see totally why someone be everyone in the singles group was attracted to him all the girls and and so he just kind of honed in on me and um he just swept me away I mean he was so Right. In a lot of areas, you know, and so I thought, okay, this might, this might be better, but mother and dad were scared to death. They were worried just because of the speed of the relationship. So you guys start dating, sweeps you off your feet yep, and you get married. Right. Right. So you have Christy at this point. So you and Christy and John Apple move in together as Mm -hmm. a family. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then tell me how, when did you start realizing there were things that weren't great? Okay, we were in Houston, and um, we were married, adopted Christy mm-hmm. a year later, and so um, there was something, he, he wanted me to do something, he started getting kind of bossy, a little bossy with me, and so I just said, I don't want to do that, and he goes, you're my wife, you have to do that, you have to submit to me, and I said, 
well, I, I just don't want to do that. And he goes, well, you have to, or I'm going to spank you. And I just started laughing. I was like, what? Spank me? Are you kidding me? And so um, I told him, I said, if you really think that a wife has to be spanked by their husband, we need to go to counseling. Yeah. So we went to counseling and this guy just, he, uh, he couldn't help but laugh, but he really, and, but John was serious. He said, really, well, how do you keep your wife in, in shape? You know, in line. yeah, in line. I mean, mm-hmm. And so uh, this counselor, he just basically laid it out for John Apple. And of course, John left the room and I went out there and he said, I don't believe anything that guy said. And I said, oh, well, it's going to be okay. I mean, here, I, I didn't want to get divorced again. I didn't even think of the word divorce mm-hmm. at that point. And so, um, because he was always, he'd be nice and then he'd be this controlling freak, Mm -hmm. you know, and mean, he'd be mean. So the nice stuff apparently to me outweighed the mean stuff. So I continued in that relationship for 16 years and had three children with him. And your three children. So Christy's the oldest. Mm -hmm. And then you had Lisa. Right. And then you had Johnny. Mm -hmm. And then you had James. Correct. Um, Christy was the child, I would say, out of the four that he treated the worst right that yeah. he treated badly there totally was one... agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's an easy but there was one incident that the ice cream oh yeah oh that's a big one so and that's another one I did not remember because I wasn't in the room when it happened but my mom but was your mom came mom was, was there upset and so he is with Christy and Christy wants an ice cream cone right so instead he gets her a bowl and right. she looks at him she's three well I wanted a cone well he was so mad at her that he took her face and he pushed it into the ice cream. Exactly. Is that why yeah. I don't like ice cream today? That's Is right. It maybe it? you told me that, that. would make sense. <laughs> I, I never knew I Christy like didn't either. like ice cream, but now I know. Yeah. I understand. Totally. So you don't remember that, Christy? Oh, no, that incident, all. that story. But I am lactose intolerant, so I know. Yeah. When your mom tells you that, like, how do you? Re- what's your response? Because had anything like that happened before? Mm. No, she didn't really tell me that. She didn't tell me at the moment that that okay. happened. She just got so angry. She had. She an was in- crying. Right. She was, and I didn't know really what had happened, and she didn't want to tell me about the abuse that he just did to Christy. She just said, he's not very nice to Christy. He's very unkind to Christy. And, of course, he acted sorry, and he was repentant. And they were like, well, you know, okay. And they gave him another chance. And you have the three kiddos, right? And he's treating the younger three that are his biological children one way, and he's treating Christy another way. Exactly. So when did you start picking up that that was happening? Yeah, KK, when did you start picking up on that? Well, I really started really picking it up when we moved to Plano. From Abilene, we left Abilene, moved to Plano, and Christy was probably... this is before Johnny six, was born? Six years old. No, oh yeah, it was before Johnny, Johnny was born. Johnny was born, okay. Yeah. Um, Just me and Lisa. Because you, you were about six years old. I was homeschooling mm-hmm. you guys, okay. And um, he would he would make Christy every, I mean, I don't know, all of the everyday deal, like shutting the blinds, opening mm-hmm. the blinds every morning. I mean, it was like this list. And on Saturdays, he had her mm. clean out the garage. I'm talking mm-hmm. take everything out. Bring everything back in and sweep it and make it spotless. And this, he even, he started really doing this when Lisa was born. Lisa was probably about three. So that, that's right. And you would have been So did six. you know as this was happening that it yes, was going on? Yes, and I'd on? be like, why are you doing this? She does, she's too young. I mean, I, we got in arguments all the time about the mm-hmm. way he treated her. But he would, I mean, there was always payback. For you, to for you. me, yeah. I mean, some nights I would be up till like three in the morning with him, you know, yelling at me and telling me this, and I'm yeah. not this, and I'm not good enough, and blah blah blah. And so it was really hard to, 
you know, state your needs or your beliefs about what you see is going on because you're going, but if I say something, he's going to, you know, he never hit me physically. But to me, sometimes I wished he would have. And another thing I wished he would have, I wished he would have drank. I wish he was a drunk. Because when I started going to Al-Anon, I told these women, because I was getting desperate at this point in Plano. And we had been married probably about 10 years at this point. And, um, and, the, and you know, and, and when it came my turn in Al-Anon, you take turns talking. It came my turn, and I was crying, and this man was putting his arm around me and stuff. And I just said, you guys, I said, I just wish I lived with an alcoholic. At least he would shut up and be so drunk that he'd fall asleep on the couch, you know. And but this guy didn't. I mean, he was up. But they used a term I had never heard of. They called him a dry drunk. He's a dry drunk, and yeah. his father was an alcoholic. Okay, and so I he's used... living. He's almost living that out without drinking. Without drinking, because he grew up watching exactly. that. Exactly, he so watched he the was... behavior, the reaction. So um, as I went to Al-Anon, I was in Al-Anon for about seven, seven or eight years, and. Um, I just, I grew to find out that it's not about me, that you hurting me is about you and not about me. It's not something I did. Yeah, because I'd make everything okay for you, but the elephant's still in the middle of the room, and he's the elephant. He was the elephant. Mm -hmm. And anybody that's in that kind of relationship, if you don't talk about the elephant in the room, it's... It stays the same. Nothing yeah. changes. Nothing changes. It's just you're going around in cycles. And that was for 16 years. So, Christy, how would you say you viewed, like, the relationship with your parents, with Kay and John? Mm, horrible. Traumatic. tumultuous, whatever that word yeah. is. I didn't enjoy being at home. I enjoyed being in my room, but I did not enjoy, enjoy being at home. So would you talk to your mom at all? Or did you guys, were you guys no, just surviving? I don't surviving? think we did. I think it was survival. And because she had to deal with her own stuff. Yeah, it was survival. And you, you knew she was, I knew she was fighting for me when she could. But then there was also kind of like the, you got to do what he said too. Because I'm sure you ca- probably couldn't call him out in front of me because then you'd really, really get, get in it. trouble. Right. So it was just that eye of like, I'm sorry, this sucks, but you got to do what you got to do. So yeah, it was bad. It was horrible. Yeah. That's why when he, I remember them telling us they're getting a divorce. And I've said this before, like that was the best day of my life. And my you said sister, that, she said that in the book. Yeah, she like said, my sister's oh, I'm feeling bawling. like I'm getting out of prison. Yes. She's bawling and she's so sad because she loves John. She loves her dad. And I was like, freedom. Finally. Yeah, it was. For all of us. Yeah. Not just for me, but for was... the whole house to be like, oh, this so is did, great. So did Lisa identify Kay, okay, Kay, talk... what you were going through or did she no. not know any of that? Okay. Lisa was the princess. Okay. Christy was the stepchild. And Johnny okay. was the golden. And Johnny boy. was the prince. <laughs> and James was James, sweet, cute James. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so when in the process, when John would treat her the way he did, like the garage instance, yeah. I would always wonder, you know, because he would tell Lisa, because Lisa would say, Dad, I want to go out and help Christy. And and she would he'd say, No, you go in there and you play with your cabbage patch dolls. Well, fast forward, you know. 20 30 years lisa is she's experienced some uh, thing emotional things that made her wonder why was i treated like that a guilty you know making her feel bad shame and guilt for being treated better for not doing anything not doing anything other than being born yeah just being the Mm -hmm. being her you know Mm -hmm. and and so that but what was so beautiful about how God works things out mm-hmm. is Christy and Lisa have the best sister relationship. Aww. And I think because of 
the stuff. I think that's oh, such a good yeah. bonding between you guys. Mm-hmm. I've, I've thought, you know, the God is such a bringer together mm-hmm. of people that are willing to, you know, lay it down and talk. And, and that's why I wrote the book. I thought, you know, everybody out there's got crap. Yeah. And, you know, I thought I've gone, I've gone through a lot of crap, but I know who the victor is and it's Jesus. It's him in me and him and my children. And I mean, there's still stuff going on in our family and stuff, but I know God is good and I know everybody's going to end up in his arms and in his love. And, you know, it's like, bring it on. We're ready at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, um, do you feel like. Cause I, cause you were in this marriage for 16 years, but you ended up, you had three more amazing kids. So you have four great kids, um, from that. And we just talked about the blessings that have come from something horrible. Do you feel like the fact that this was your second marriage, did that kind of, did that weigh on your back? Like, I don't like want to divorce again. Oh, oh heavens. Yes. I don't so you probably this. stayed longer than oh, maybe yeah. you would have otherwise. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't even tell you. My dad was like, well, how much long, even my grandparents, they would tell my mom and dad, I knew, found this out just while I was writing this book, my grandma and granddad would just get so mad. They're like, why does Kay stay with him? You know, Dole, make her get a divorce, make her get a divorce, mm-hmm. get out of that relationship. And dad would say, how long are you going to take this? How long are you going to take this? And they got in some big fights, my mom and dad with John Apple and all of that's in the book. But, um, I had to, I had to really, really hurt to get, get out. And I had gone to this seminar, um, Melody Beatty, and I'd been reading a lot of books on codependency, had wonderful counseling. I ended up with this great counselor, uh, Rob Sherman, and he, he is the one I was with for like six years. And I mean, he led me through it and, and got me out of it, and he was with me too when James had his instances and stuff. And then finally, I went to that seminar with Melody Beatty, and it was about love addiction. And I was driving to Corpus Christi, listening to... Um, before I went to the seminar, I was listening to her on the on my cassette tapes, her tapes, about love addiction, and I thought, man, this is me. This I'm addicted to this guy. I think I like his love, and so he can do whatever crap to me he wants to because I like the goodies that come with being his, you know, the goodies. Periods where he was just really sweet and kind and lovey, and we were in church, involved in a Bible church, and. Um, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't want to go through yeah. that stigma of being single again. And I thought, and then I went to the seminar of Melody Beatty and she, and I thought I got out of there. I was bawling, crying and I called dad and I said, I'm ready to mm. get out of this relationship. And he said, well, it's about time. Oh, and, um, so, and so the and second divorce didn't bother your parents. They just wanted you safe oh, and they yeah. wanted the kids safe. Oh, they wanted us out of there. Yeah. Bothered the I church told, more than it bothered him. Yeah. Well, in the church, uh, the small group we were in, he tried to talk me out of it. And, um, which is why you said you wished you had, um, you wish he, you wish he had hit you. Because right. that would have made it okay for other people where she was bruising and internally bleeding, but you couldn't see that. So everyone's That's like, right. well, you should stay with us. But in this small group I was in, I was sharing and sharing about, finally I shared and I said, I'm going to get a divorce. Because John never went. I was the only mm-hmm. one that went. And I had some really good friends that were there. And so this guy that lead the, led this group, he called me and he made me start crying because he didn't know. I never no. told him anything. And that's what's hard, right? Is you act like you know when you don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know that's what's right so for harmful. somebody else. That's and, so harmful. Well, and so he did that. And I called my dad and bless my dad's heart. He 
called. He said, give me that guy's phone number. And he called this guy. Which I love. Uh, you said that in the book. And I was like, that's the best. I mean, I was I was devastated, though. I was like, I can't believe you did that, Dad. And he goes, well, it's about time people in the church found out that, you know, terrible things happen to people and they don't want to talk about it so don't tell them what you think they need to do because you don't know yeah mm-hmm. and he said you just don't go to that community group anymore you go to back to al-anon so i went back to al-anon yeah <laughs> there you go help and so you do end up divorcing um john apple and you have the kids I went back to nursing. I went yes, to nursing school. Yes, you went to nursing school. Yeah. And that was one thing John Apple never would let me do. And I wanted to be. I wanted to go back to nursing school because I graduated from TCU with a, a degree in Home education. economics. Home economics, but education. <laughs> and I, I mean, I loved that degree, though. You And you're I, great at it. You're fabulous with all those things. things. <laughs> she can do everything. Tawanda, she can do it all. So anyway, um, and, and then I, when he was in the hospital, for his illnesses, he was a hypochondriac besides a narcissist. Um, I started watching the nurses and I thought, oh, and I thought, I want to be a nurse. I want to, I, could I, I ask all these questions and, and I just really got interested. And so when I threw it at him, I said, I want to go back to school because the kids were all in school at this point and uh, from kindergarten up. And, and he goes, no, you're not going to go out. You need to be home here, be at home, you know, keep me pregnant and be at home. Wait, did you share the story about the receipts and the money in the book? Oh, yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah, I had okay. to do a requisition form. He made me fill a requisition form out. Whenever I wanted to go buy something, I'd have to fill out the requisition form. I'm going to go buy blah, 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 cat food or dog food. And it cost me, you know, it's going to cost $20. And how much? And then show the receipt. And so that way I couldn't go, you know how back in the day you could write a check for more than the amount mm-hmm. and you could get money out. cash money back. Out. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, he wanted to know how much. But the other thing I was telling about the um, requisition form is whenever he made a big deal or got a lot of money, his money would come and go because he was in the oil business and he was a crook, investment, <laughs> yeah, you know, getting that. people to invest in the oil business. When he met his deal, he'd have all this cash. So he'd go out and he'd buy, uh-huh. he'd just, I mean, it was like he'd come with big packages and presents and one day he came in with all these presents for the kids and he said oh and by the way Kay I've bought new paintings I bought a new sofa we're going to redo this living room I'm going to they're coming tomorrow with all this stuff I was like oh my gosh and you didn't get a say in any of it no I, I didn't yeah you know? reason okay so that. I interrupted you when yeah. you were talking about uh nursing school he wouldn't let you go to nursing school so you go back and you get your nursing right. degree right which was awesome freeing and that took a while. That didn't take no, it very didn't long. Like, it took like a, a two years. Because yeah. you already, had, already had most all, all my bases. Past, yeah, your basics I went to up, Collin County great. Community College, and I want to put a blurb in for them because that is the best nursing program around. Mm-hmm. And, I'd see. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Collin College is Colin what they call it now. Great. It. But yeah. it's still got a great nursing it does program. Have a, yeah, it's gotten nursing better and better. I love it. That's awesome. So now you're able to stand alone like you're able to take care of yourself well I felt so much better about myself because I thought I can do this I can be successful in whatever I want to do now because I don't have this burden was a very and it was very free I'm sure like Christy said I'm out of prison now I don't I feel like I'm out of prison and even when we told Lisa and Christy and the boys they were getting divorced Lisa said after he left she I mean bless her heart she looked at me and she said mom now you can have a life Mm -hmm. and I thought where did that come from from that little girl yeah she's been seeing they watch kids see everything oh, yes they are little sponges for yes. real but when you're living in that fog it's hard to understand that right until later right 
Um, okay. There's so the you, idea though, real fast that yeah. if you are a female currently living in that, yeah. cause there are many that are in that and yeah. they don't know, do I stay in it for the money or do I stay, what am I staying in for? And many yeah. stay for the money when I would challenge and say, get out for the health of your kids. Mm-hmm. Cause like change your, change that generation. Cause that's what, what you're doing and staying in that is you're affecting the next generation where if you get out, your kids will be stronger and better off. Right. Cause remember our, my aunt used to always say that too is, is, and she's great. I love my aunt, but she'd be like, how did y'all turn out like halfway decent? Right. Like how? And it's like, well, the Lord, well, the Lord a hundred percent, but oh. also KK was like, I'm out of this mess. Right. The other thing is sometimes we protect the abuser's reputation for yeah. the benefit we save the kids. But I think sometimes you do need to call that when the kids are old, like it's, it's their dad, but they still need to know what the stuff their dad is doing is not good. Well, which we found the- that out later. I remember that Lisa, Johnny and James found that out later i never said anything negative That's to right. the boy, especially the boys mm-hmm. yeah because they worshiped and adored their dad yeah. i mean he gave them everything they wanted and even johnny at one point went to live with him yeah and then Ooh, he came I, home right. and came then he came home because after living with him for a while he realized but don't you even remember that like that i remember was. him going and you being so upset and being like he like kk don't freak out it's not gonna take long for him to realize and it what didn't a take long crazy person he is yeah. it was about 90- but he had to go experience yeah, it. yeah yeah and that happened even to james you know he he actually was with john and um because they they would get in fights because when johnny came home from living with john he was in his late teens and they would get it. He'd say, Mom, I know what Dad's really like, blah, blah, blah. Well, James hadn't had the awakening yet. Because yeah. I never said, I didn't say very ma- any negative things to them to make them defend him. Because I, I would think, you know, Lord. He's still their dad. Yeah, he, so, yeah but he, yeah. they will see the truth yeah. if it's the truth. Yeah. And they did. And they would get in fights over it because James would always stand up for him. And then once James came to this place uh, when he was about 20, he was like, man, he's crazy. And so now um, you guys are separate homes, but the kids still have their dad. You still have to interact with them. Um, But then you meet somebody else. Yes, I do. Okay. (laughs) As Christy calls me, the prodigal mom. (laughs) But what's interesting, KK, as I'm reading this, I'm like, all these guys that you're meeting on paper, they should be great. They say they're believers and they're Christians and... I mean, you meet them at churches. Like, what in the world? Great observation on Debbie's part. It's wonderful. Yes. But everything you said, number three, and that relationship is the opposite of everything you just said. Right. I did everything. So so that's what I'm getting to. So I'm getting the first two. You're like, I did everything right. They said they're believers. Horrible, horrible. So guess what? I'm not going to meet them in a church again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not going to date someone like that. I am going to bars. I'm going to highlight my hair. I'm going to get nails. (laughs) I am going to have fun and enjoy myself because obviously, I think this sounds like, as I was reading, a little bit of a dark time for you spiritually. Yeah, it was. It was. I did what God said to do. Look what I ended up with. Right. I'm not doing that anymore for, right. you know, and, and obviously there was a turnaround there, but explain um, number three. Explain okay. Dwayne does. All right. Well, you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. Everything, it was like a pendulum. I was over here in the, you know, submit your yourselves to your husbands, you know, is unto the Lord. I'm going, like, okay, I'm going to do everything different. So I found a high school buddy of mine. She was in, t- she was, lived in Dallas. We reconnected and she wanted me in my nail lady. 
they wanted they wanted me to go to um, a country western bar with them, and so I started going to these country western barns and had these little which are fun. Well, that's see John Apple and I. That was one thing we were doing right toward the end. We were going to Fairfields or something like that, is in Plano, and we were country western dancing. Yeah. I thought, oh, this is great. So you we're learned gonna... how to dance. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. You know, and, and I was a pretty good dancer anyway. But yeah. I mean, I learned how to two step and do all this stuff, and we were having fun. And then all of a sudden. As this relationship's ending with John Apple, he's going out to the bars without me. Mm-hmm. And he's meeting a friend. Well, that's where he finds his next Joanne. That's right. where he found yeah. Joanne. Yeah, his next and I wife. didn't find out about that until right at the, I mean, I think we were already getting a divorce mm-hmm. when I found out all that. But Blue yeah, um, and Diamonds and uh, down, by North, down by North Park. <laughs> and we're all just dancing, having a great time. And I mean, I dance with anybody pretty much. And... Um, and then this one guy came up, and he was so sweet and fun, and he danced great. I mean, he just led me around the room, you know. And uh, so anyway, we ended up getting married about two years later, and he was fun. We went to concerts. We drank wine. He actually treated you well. He treated me. He Cowboy taught me to play golf. Well. He taught yes. me to play golf. And um, we oh, we, we traveled. We went on to these great vacations and stuff and with other friends. I made a lot of good friends. And um, so anyway, it was just a fun. Yeah. It was such a fun time. and But there was always this cloud hanging over the, re- over the relationship because I knew – because one of his best friend's wife and I became great friends. And she told me, she said, oh, I'm so glad Dwayne has found you. I think he just loves you. I mean, I, he loves you more than anybody I've ever seen him with, you know, because he's always been such a ladies' man. And I was like, you know, I didn't know that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I started seeing it in the relationship. Like when you could see, you know, when a beautiful woman walks through the door at a meeting or a bar or anywhere – the guys that are looking, they're mm-hmm. looking. They're mm-hmm. looking at that beauty walk. And so he was always had these roaming eyes. So anyway, I found out that he was having a relationship later. So I was like, okay, I'm out of here. Number and, three. And that, what's interesting there to me is you did not hesitate. Mm-mm. You also said that was the hardest. It was the hardest. Out of all three, the hardest divorce for you. Good for you, Debbie. Expl- Man, you're reading between. <laughs> She's a good reader. You are. <laughs> Explain, um, explain why. Oh yeah, I mean there was there was no control issues. It was just fun, and um, we talked a lot. I mean, but you know, I never really talked about God with him. I occasionally, it would come up, and we never really we never went to church. The whole time I was married to him, we didn't. I was married to him for like six, seven years, seven years, and um, and the boys, you know, they were back and forth their dad. So it was just me and him a lot. And so it was really fun. Because the girls were at college. Yeah, they point. were gone. And yeah. um, and with our families got along great. You know, even mom, my dad, like, they, dad loved Wayne. He'd take him hunting. They had, you know, he hunted. He did everything and played golf. And so we always had a lot of fun together. And then um, when it happened, when the event happened, and I was just – I just couldn't even believe it. I mean, when I found out he was having this affair, it was the worst thing that has ever happened to me besides James' mm-hmm. incidences. And um, I was crying all the time. I was wanting to get revenge. I mean, there was I was just angry, and I was hurt, and I was crying. And um, I would go to counseling back to Dallas. I was living in Arlington then, back you to Dallas back to, to see Rob. I mean, I'm back and forth, and he's just like, oh, bless your heart, you know. And, and um, I said, well... I'm I'm getting the best attorney in in Arlington, man. I'm gonna rub him, you know, take everything because John ran me through the coals. He mm-hmm. lied through the whole thing. He didn't, 
you know, declares income. So his Did checks. you write that in the book about that? Mm-hmm. Oh. And in fact, John Apple stopped, stopped, stopped paying me child support after I married Dwayne because, and I called him, I said, why aren't you sending me any money? And he said, well, you don't need it. You're married. You've remarried. And I said, well, we'll see about that. So a whole year in court and with this liar, he, you yeah. know, it was a mess. And so um, when, when he left, when Dwayne left, or I kicked him out. I just said, get out of here. This house is mine. You're not getting the house, blah, blah, blah. And he left, and his only sorrow was that he got caught. So he, and that was another question I had, because you wrote that in the book. You felt like he was only upset because that he, he got, got caught. caught, not from what he did. Exactly. So did he ever apologize no, to you? Never. Nothing. And at one point, I was thinking, maybe we can build this relationship back. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, let's just go to counseling. He refused. Three times I asked him, he refused. And I thought, okay, well, this is over. And and so, I mean, I would cry. Me and James would go out there, and James liked him. I mean, he would he was called him kind of his buddy, you know, because he wasn't like their dad. He was, he was fun. super easy. He was easy to get just along easy, with, yeah. really easy. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, but he had this thing, you know, for other women. It was yeah. very painful. So anyway. But so moving on. Move on from <laughs> Dwayne. So, but now we have another painful thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, you were brought up your son, James, your baby, the baby, the family. Pictures. I love the pictures you put in the book. Oh, yeah. It was adorable. Um, they all, all the kids together. By the way, Lisa looks like Gentry to oh, me. Oh, yeah. Whereas yes. Christy looks like Brindley oh, yes. Yes. to me oh, yeah. when they're younger. Well, I've got a picture of me when I was younger, and I look just like Brindley. It, it's so sweet to see those pictures you put in the book, which I just think were fun to put names to faces yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, but let's talk about James, okay. because we've talked about him some on here, and Christy has shared um, some of that because we talked about Lisa when she wrote the play with her mm-hmm. friend yeah, boy on billboard uh, bi- boy on a billboard um and uh, Christy talked about just kind of from her perspective some of that as the big sister um but as a mom tell us when you started feeling like now James is the youngest ever you've got all this kind of going on in your house um but tell us when you kind of started feeling like um, James was needing some help or there was something going on with James that was different. Because he grew up, he was, he's grown up going to school, has friendships. Oh, great friends. Loves mm-hmm. music. Loves music. And loves people. Hate I school. mean, didn't like, like <laughs> academics, yeah. but loved, he was just very creative. Mm-hmm. Seemed like a very loving, sweet very boy. Loving. So yeah. tell us when you started kind of seeing Well, um, he was... I mean, when he started playing the piano, I came home from work because I was a nurse, so I'd work seven to seven. And he was very good on his own. I mean, this kid, he would make his own dinner if I didn't get home because it was just me and him at home. Johnny, and in relation, in comparing that, when John, when I was working and Johnny was at home, he would always call me and bug me to go buy him. Go to Chicken Express on your way home, Mom. Go to Chicken Express. I'd be like. <laughs> I'm not, I'm tired. I'm not going to go to Chicken Express. Oh, Chicken Express is really good, though. But then I, <laughs> I would end up going to Chicken right. Express. James, I'd go, I'd call and I'd go, leaving work, and I'd go, you mean to bring something to eat? And he goes, oh, no, I already ate that leftovers. I already, you know, had a bowl of soup, crackers and cheese or something. I was like, you are way too easy. So that made him so wonderful to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he was so easy. And then... um as he got to be his, in his teens, academically, it was always a struggle. And the mm-hmm. teachers never never identified anything wrong with him because he charmed them. They wouldn't put him in 
he'd go, oh, no, I don't want to go into that program. I don't want to do that. Oh, and they go, okay. oh, okay, James, well, just work harder. Just work harder. You know, next grade, next grade. Well, by the time he was in junior high, it was getting re- his schoolwork was really getting difficult. And I would be like, well, don't y'all need, need to put him in a special class? Well, they did because mm. he couldn't keep up. And then I found out that he wouldn't show up for those classes. I didn't find oh. this out for a long time. Then when he, by the time he was 16, I would start getting calls from high school. And they were like, he's not showing up for class. I'd be at work. At 16, he got my dad's old truck. Dad gave him his old pickup. And he had the relationships, his friends. He had great friends, but they weren't exactly the kind that would induce good behavior. (laughs) And unbeknownst to me, because I didn't know a lot of the stuff that was going on. I didn't know a lot. And in fact... I don't want to know a lot of the stuff he did, especially mm-hmm. with that truck. Yeah. He came home so stinking drunk one night. And I took two friends home and I took him and I said, You are gonna this, you're gonna do the yard every day, you're gonna you're never gonna meet your friends anymore. And I was giving him the riot act and stuff. And um he goes upstairs and then no, he goes upstairs to bed, and then I'm going back to bed. It's already like two o'clock in the morning, and then twenty minutes later I get a phone call. And I was like, and they said uh, ma'am, is your son James Apple? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, he's down here at the fire station, mm-hmm. and he loves fire stations. Always that was has. James. He loved. So he was so drunk that he walked from our house down about a half a mile to the fire station. And and I got I went there, and they said, uh, yeah, your son's just sitting here. He's drunk as a skunk. He said, you can take him home. So anyway, you know, that was the first thing. And then I called Dad, and he said, bring that kid out here to Breckenridge. And he loved Breckenridge. He loved my parents. He loved my dad. West Texas Breckenridge. West Texas Breckenridge, not Colorado. Yeah, West Texas. And so we took, I took him out there, and, you know, nobody could reason with James at this Mm -hmm. point. No, nobody could tell him what to do. Nobody could reason with him. And Dad just said, get in the house, James. I'm going to take care of this, Kay. And I thought, What's he going to do, you know? And so me and Mom look at each other, and James goes in the house, and Dad walks out. And then 15 minutes later, Dad walks back out, and he looks at me and Mom, and we're like, so what happened? What happened? he goes, well, I spanked that kid. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And I was just like, really, Dad? He goes, yeah, I gave him a good whipping. And and I said, well, what did he do? And he said, well, the bad news, Kay, is he didn't even cry. He said, so I think you should send him to his dad's to live. Oh, with John Apple? Yes. Okay. So that was really hard. Yes. And at this point, I knew my life in Arlington was over. And so I I just thought, you know what, I'm going to sell this house, get rid of all my stuff. And he's going to go live with his dad. And I called John Apple and he said, yeah, he can come live with us. And he had a son by this point. John Apple and his wife had a son named Josh. And so I thought, okay, well, I, what am I going to do with my life? And I thought, well, I'm a nurse. I can do anything. I can go anywhere I want and live. And so I decided I'd move to Dallas. So anyway, I moved into this little apartment and loved it. The number was 711, and I thought, this apartment is perfect. It was beautiful. It was one level, had a garage. And, and I just felt, oh, I just felt so good about my life. And I thought, James is going to do good, you know. And I had this So you hope. were hopeful, because you were hopeful then when he went to see to stay with his dad not that, that i wanted him to be with things. his dad but i thought you know maybe maybe john apple could get him out of this funk right he was in a funk i mean really a funk and um so anyway he's there with his dad and i'm working and living in the apartment and um he he and his dad start not getting along and he he ends up the fbi came to the house 
where James was living with his dad, helicopters hovering over the house in Frisco, landing in the street, going in the house, taking everything out of the house, and uh, uh, they arrested John Apple. Mm -hmm. Well, James was like, Mom, I don't want to get out of here. And and so he, he and his girlfriend... They moved into an apartment. He moved in with his girlfriend. James Crystal. and his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Moved he moved together. in with Crystal yeah. in Frisco. And um, so that's when it really started getting bad. I think he started having uh, these delusions and, and this, you know, f- seeing things and hearing things. And um, so anyway, Crystal ended up um, breaking up with him because she said, I love you, but you're just, you're really going through some hard stuff. Well, and then my brother, he told him, he said, you know, James, you're so great with your guitar. You're, you know, you're a great musician. You just need to go to Nashville where his cousin lived and he was going to Vanderbilt. You just need to go to Nashville and take that guitar into a a studio on Music Row and just be a studio guitar player. And he thought, well, I'm going to do that. You know, and my my brother gave him a great guitar. And uh, I mean, and my brother is a great musician, mm-hmm. so he recognized that N. James was a great musician. And so um, he goes up to Nashville, and this is around 2005, and he, I keep calling. I go, have you gotten a job? No. Why don't you go to music? Well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm just going to stay here at Wesley's apartment. And I was like, James, you've got to get out and get a, get a job. Do something, you know. And everybody, Christy's husband, Greg, was always talking to him. Everybody was trying to, and Johnny, trying to. And what year is this? This is 2000, between 2002 and 2005. Okay. All this is going on and more. I mean, I can't tell all of it. But um, so anyway, 2005, I get a phone call. It's Wesley, James's cousin. And he says, hey, hey, you need to get up here. And I said, what's going on? I said, what's going on? He said, James is in the psych ward at Vanderbilt. I took him to the ER because he had a knife to his throat and was going to kill himself because he said they were coming after him. So I went up there, got a hotel. I went to the, and Wesley and I got together and we talked about everything that had happened leading up to it and everything. And um, so I go to this psych ward and I mean, I, the only time I've been in a psych ward was when I had my psych rotation as a nurse. And it was the same depressing dark it's so hard it's it's, it's so horrible hard it's a horrible in, unit yes. mm-hmm. and i never did psych nursing i could never have done that so anyway um i talked to the doctor and i said look i just want to get him out of here and take him back to texas where his family is and we're gonna i've already got arrangements for him to go to hacienda because we thought drugs was the problem we still thought it was a drug problem so anyway he this doctor and he started yelling at me and he said and he, I mean, he said, you cannot tell me what to do. You cannot tell me that your son needs to be somewhere else. Your son needs to be here. And he just kept going on. And he said, in fact, just get off this unit. And you can't come back to this unit until he is released. Mm. I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So I go back to the hotel. I call this friend of mine. I said, do you know any attorneys in Nashville? You know, and I, I call this. She said, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. Her name is Lynette. And uh, so I called this guy the next morning. And I told him what this guy said what this doctor said to me and so I you said, called the attorney I called the said, attorney because I said this, this has to be a, me yeah this has to be illegal what he's doing and so I called the attorney and I, he said well let me do a little research on this guy and so he called me back and he goes you know what you're dealing with a lunatic this doctor has a terrible reputation so I was like well what am I supposed to do and he said you know, he said we well, can't get your kid out because he's he was about 19 or something but or he was over 18 at but this yeah point. he was yeah mm. I had to just stay in that hotel, you know, so Wesley and I would hang out and talk and we would go to, we would go whenever they would let family come. We were always there. 
It's five days later. He said, well, you know, I'm going to re- release him. And he never gave me a diagnosis. He never said he was paranoid schizophrenic or anything. And so then um, I said, well, I'm going to take him to this hacienda. My brother had been there for alcohol, and he loved it. He thought it, he said there's a spiritual side to this recovery place that's so great. So I get down there. We get on a plane. We fly from Nashville to San Antonio, rent a car, drive to Kerrville, drop him off. And he's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I said, James, there's something wrong. We don't know. we got to get you some help. Because you're thinking recovery still at this point, not treatment exactly. for a yeah. mental illness. Right. So anyway, we drive, I drive back, get back on the plane, come back to Dallas, go back to my little apartment. I get a phone call the next morning. Uh, ma'am, we can't keep James here. And I said, what? What's going on? And he said, this guy's cutting himself. He doesn't have a drug problem at all. There's no drugs in his body. He's slicing his, you know, forearm. And he said, you need to take him somewhere else. Well, so then I call Rob, and I'm like, and I didn't have anybody. I wasn't married to ML at that point. I was all by myself. And talking to my parents and talking to a couple of friends, but especially Rob. And I called him, and he said, well, bring him up here to me. Bring up here, and I'll put him in the psych unit at this uh, Richardson Methodist Church. I mean, Methodist Hospital. So I take him up there, and um, he he's there for about three days, and they can't give me a diagnosis. And so I'm still like, what is wrong with him, Rob? He goes, I don't He said, maybe he just needs more discipline. I mean, Rob just didn't know. He didn't have an answer. He's not a psychiatrist either. But he was a counselor. Yeah, but he was a counselor. Mm-hmm. So he said, well, maybe just have him live with you for a while. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I hope he doesn't do, you know, the knife thing at my house or anything. And so um, he's there, and I'm going to work, having to leave him there by himself. And I said, James, just go out and look for a job. He had no car. I said, just go out and try to find a job, you know, locally around my apartment somewhere. Well, one day I came home, and he wasn't there, and he walked back. And I said, well, have you found a job or anything? You know, and, and he says, no. And I said, where have you been if you're just coming back? And he goes, well, I've been going over to the, um, what's the name of that? Ken P- Kempinski Hotel or that big ho- that big oh, hotel Grand Kempinski Kempin- Hotel yeah, in yeah. Addison. He, he said I I've been walking over there and I'm playing their piano and I'm getting tips. So that's what he was doing. He was spending the day in their foyer in their ballroom foyer area, playing the piano, just playing what he wanted to play. Everything just went downhill after that. As a mom having to watch so awful your child just struggle like that, I can't imagine. It's got to be awful. Yeah. So um, I wish we had more time to go to all the details, but um, I do want to talk about the billboard spot. Okay. We won't go into a ton of detail just because we did do that on another podcast. So if if listeners want to go hear more about that story, they can go listen. Or it's in the book. (laughs) (laughs) It is both. A really big moment for you guys as a family Mm -hmm. um, was when... He and and I believe he had friends involved that called. He was said, living hey, with he his was best friends, with some friends, Wallington. Yeah, and um, you know, you guys get a call that he's run up and gotten on top of a billboard, naked, naked. You guys gather as a family um, because the police are trying to talk him down, uh-huh, and there's right. no fencing around the top no. of the billboard. So at any minute he could fall off, and this land billboard on concrete, is sixty feet up in the air. Sixty feet. You had yeah. said. You guys gather together um, as he's having at this point um, a psychological break, like from yeah. reality. Just explain that moment. Okay. Well, we had to. I had to call ML. Somebody called me. I was playing golf, and they called me. Oh, Greg called me, my son-in-law, and he said James is on a billboard naked, and I was just. 
I mean, I, my friends that were with me, they remember that day exactly like I do because they were just like devastated. They're, oh my God, you've got to go. You got. And they were all praying and everything. So anyway, call him out. We drive to Fort Worth, and the the police had told Greg told us where to park. We had to park away from the event because there were so many police cars, so many people were gathering video and on their iPhones, all this stuff that was going on. And so we, we met this police officer. She, she drove, drove us up to this little uh, substation. It was like a police van. And we, I got in there, and my kids were there. And um, we were all just gathering, cried and cried and cried. And there was a monitor where you could see, but I did, I did never want to see, you know, because the, the officer asked me, do you want to see him? And I said, heck no, I don't want to see him. So we walked in, and um, I said, you know, we've got to pray this kid will get down. He'd already been up there about five hours. And um, I said, we got to pray that he gets down. And and so we just all gathered and we prayed together. And, um, oh, probably a couple hours later, the, the wind started changing. And the wind and, and the, the air started coming from the north. And it started being really cold. Because, I mean, those that officer was a female officer. And he was telling all the police that he had no family. They're all dead and gone. And there we are in the police van, you know. And um, she's saying, James, come on down, come on down. I, you know, you need to get down. And she never would get down. He would, I mean, like ML said, he looks like a monkey on a, on a. Mm-hmm. I'd say, what does he look like? And he's, well, okay, he looks like a monkey on a, you know, on a something where he's just hopping around up there on top of that billboard. And I was just like, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, scary. <laughs> and so um, the wind starts changing. The temperature went down, down, down. Then it starts raining. Mm. And he's up there, and he's shivering cold, and that's what made him come down. And at that point, um, and you guys are trying to get him help, and he does have a diagnosis, right? Yeah, he'd at been at point. JPS psych ward for a week. Yeah. And he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Paranoid schizophrenia. And you guys were doing the best you could right. to help. Um, so eventually, James does um, take his own life. Right. As I've talked to Christy, what's interesting is how you talk about your brother. Cause you're like, it was, he's in a place now that is sweet mm-hmm. and then he's perfected like, yeah, and just perfected, yeah. which I think exactly. is a sweet way. Cause sometimes we look at suicide as not, a, sorry, it's impacted my family a lot too, as not a good thing. We don't, yeah, we don't talk about it well. Um, so just explain to me when you talk about James, yeah, I'd love to hear as you talk and care about his memory how would you explain him to people? He was not made to live on this earth for very long. I know that. And I know God gave him to us for a reason and for a time such as this, mm-hmm. that he was to bring, he brought joy. He brought laughter. Um, he just brought comfort. He was always like comforting the old people. He would always comfort my great, my grandmother, his great grandmother. She adored this kid. And so when, then when you see their mind go, go downhill, um, it, it's, it's just devastating. But then when you see, when I walked into the ICU and I saw his, I saw his dead body and he had all these bandages on his chest. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm an ICU nurse, and I'm now I'm going to have to see my son, you know. Yeah. And that was really hard. And so, anyway, I saw the bandages because the surgeon said we couldn't save him. His, he was bleeding internally so bad from being punctured in the heart with a knife. And um, <clears throat> But when I saw him, I was uh, – and his hair looked so cute. His skin – he looked so beautiful. I mean, his body, his skin, his legs, everything, just this – thing right here 
and I, I hugged him and I, you know, loved on him. But I said, you know, I know you're not here anymore. And I looked up into the corner of that little bitty, bitty room. It was just big enough for a bed and somebody stand next to it. And I looked up there and I just said, you know, bye, James. You know, I know you're going to be better. You're going to be fine. It's all, it, you are. It's all a new world. It's all a new life. You can't, you don't have to be, you can be as creative as you want. You can do the things you want. But I mean, I have no answers. I wish I did. And, um, but there aren't, to me, there are no real answers. It's just, um, the only answer is just to know the Lord is good and the Lord is going to take care of your loved one. Because I truly believe James was with Jesus. He was with his granddad. And he loved the Lord. Great, great, you great guys, talk, Christy's talked about oh, yeah. that. Like James was a believer. Yeah, loved he was the Lord. a believer. And, also, and I wish there was a couple of things I, that you said about him. One was, um, like you mentioned, um, your mom, how much she loved his grandmother and that he was one of the ones that would spend time with her. Oh yeah, like he she, made actually uh, so his he had such a heart. Yeah, for well, people. like one event, one thing he he said, which is just so sweet. This is so James. She's going, oh, because I was talking about my job or something, and James and mom were back in the kitchen, and she goes, "Golly, James, I just wish I had had a job. My mother never had a job. She always was a stay-at-home mom. She goes, I just wish I had a job." And he looked at her, and she said, he looked at her like, "What is wrong with you?" She goes, "Mama." You have a job. It's to cook and to love everybody. <laughs> and I said, Which she loved to do. Oh, she right? loved it. And yeah. she's good at it. And I said, that's exactly right. You know, and, and in the book, I said, James gave mom a purpose for life. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> because, so and that's sweet. the way he'd be with grandmother. His, my grandmother, Whitaker, she was, um, she loved him. She was blind. She was deaf. But she could always tell when James would be around her because he would try to get her. When she had no nose either. She had no nose because it came off from uh, skin cancer. She had a prosthetic nose. I'm laughing because he was kind of funny with her. Oh, too. he loved grandma. She couldn't see her here, so he did all yeah. kinds so of funny things right in her, her face. Well, he'd get right in her face and just kind of dance, act like, <laughs> see me? She can't see me, you know? And then she would feel him. She would just grab him. And it would make him laugh. It would make her laugh. And it was just, I mean, that's just Sweet. the way it was. Well, and there's so many stories, too, with how you lost your dad and yeah. other things that if you need to know that, just go into the book. Like if you should, cause it's all again, other interesting stories too. Um, and you're, I just, I love how much all of you were such a deep part of everybody's life. No matter what you were all very involved in each other's lives. And I love the fact that you don't have to ask permission for that. You're like, we are family. We That's love right. each other. Yeah. We intrude. Mm-hmm. That's no, what there's we no do. agenda. Sometimes there's an agenda, but there's no secrets. No. That's, That's the, one thing. There's no secrets. There's no in our secrets. House. Yeah. Family. And that's funny because even as Christy and I have done this podcast together and gotten to know each other, that yeah. is one thing like we laugh about is yeah. my tendency towards privacy and her tendency towards <laughs> like oh, exposure. 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 <laughs> Uh that is Uh, um but i mean it's great god makes us all different Mm -hmm. and i love that i have christy in my life now to to push 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 that push open part of the window the door um so but i think before we close we do need to we have somebody else here in the room with us you guys haven't heard much oh my sweet precious pearl and we do need to (laughs) we do need to make sure we close on a on that note on that happy note because you did find you called him your little prince charming that's right your your pearl and so explain to us how um you met ml and all right well i was on this journey um I didn't date for quite a while after number three. I was like, ugh, you know. And then um, my son Johnny was living with us, and he was like living with me and James. And he said, Mom, you're too much fun. You need to get out and do something. You need. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? And so 
Ina, the secretary at the hospital, she she was kind of my right hand girl. She go, well, let's look for um, let's look for things for singles in the classified. Yeah, I, I also did a, a I joined a singles, singles golf group yeah. and I joined a um, singles uh, dinner cooking. Yeah, dinner. dinner. You okay. go at all these great restaurants. Okay, and, and I have to stop you real quick because one of the fun stories in the book that I wrote down. <laughs> Was how when you're going through this time and you're meeting some guys, right? Yeah. One of the things you would do is say, okay, for our first get together, I want to go meet you on the golf course. Right. Mm. So they would go to the golf course. And she said, what I found out, KK, you're saying this. KK is saying, what I found out was you can learn a lot about someone with how they play golf. Right. Mm. So she would watch and she caught people. She caught guys cheating. cheating. Yeah. She caught them being mean to other people. I'd say to the guy, I'd go, this just isn't a match for me. That's right. Because I'd meet him on match.com. Yeah. You know, so oh, wait, tell the story of how. Okay, so how ML. How ML, ML loaded. ML. Yeah, okay, so I had been your... on match, then I got off for a year, then I got back on match, and um, and and I saw this. He started winking at me on match.com. And ML thought, did. Hmm. Yeah, ML did. He'd send me these little winks. And I thought, wow, he's a Baptist. He, like, he was raised a Baptist. He plays golf. He has a job kind of like mine where he can take off when he doesn't have you know commercials to shoot. He can take off. We can travel. He loves to travel. And so I thought, well, you know, that's, I might take a little mm-hmm. risk on this dude. And so sure enough, I answered back. And so for about three months, we were back and forth on email. And then finally he said, um, well, do you want to, do you want to maybe meet sometime? So it was in May of 2005. He's, I said, well, I'm playing golf at Grapevine Municipal Golf Course at so-and-so on a Friday. So got my friend Cindy. She was, I said, I'll be there with my friend. I always usually had a friend that play when I'd get a guy to play golf mm-hmm. with us. <clears throat> so anyway, we met at, I drove in down in the parking lot to Grapevine Municipal and uh, I get out and ML drives the golf cart over there, and I pop my trunk. He gets my bag out. And he was so kind. And then I said, well, let me go up to the pro shop, and I'll pay my, my fees and stuff. And he goes, oh, no, I've taken care of everything. I had never had a guy that I dated in Match.com that ever paid for anything. So anyway, I'm going. He, and I said, well, uh, you want to hit ball? He goes, you want to hit balls? And I said, sure. And he goes, well, I'll, I'll, you can get them over here. And he goes, well, I already got them. <laughs> Just like this guy is the package treating deal. you kindly. kindly. Yes. So I go up to the, I go to Cindy, who's on the driving range, and I said, "Man, this guy." She goes, "She goes, I think he's pretty cool. I think thumbs she up. gave me a thumbs up, you yeah. know." So we start playing, and we're just we had he went to TCU. We had so much in common. We're talking about all these people we know, and so it was that's where it, the spark happened. And, and you got to see if he was impatient too, but oh, I guess yeah. he wasn't. Oh yeah, no. Ever what he do though? I have to say he had some kind of little bad behavior a few times. Oh, but look at that, pops. <laughs> but the good thing to me, it was all about how are you after you play. That's another part. It's the after. Oh, for sure. Play. It's the attitude because you it, have when you lose. Exactly. That is when a you big lose, when you play like crap. Sure. I mean, and I would say thing. that is true with every sport. <laughs> exactly. Christy so we get in I the car. Well, we would get in the car, and he'd say, "Wasn't that a wonderful day on the golf course?" <laughs> no matter what. That's <laughs> well, so you threw your driver in the lake. Does that count? <laughs> So it's just been great. I mean, it's been sweet, and we've traveled, and he's there with me the whole time with James. I couldn't have done it without him. It's just been great. Because you've been married for how many years? Six. So 16 years. <laughs> 16 years? Yeah, 16 Pops years. Pops is over Debbie's shoulder telling, ML's over Debbie's shoulder going, 16. 16 years. 16. Yeah. yeah 16. She lost count. That's fine. So is that what all you kids call him as Pops? Yes. Is he Pops to yeah, the grandkids too? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. KK and Pops. Yeah. 
Oh, that's it's awesome. easy to ride on a golf ball. <laughs> that okay? is. That's how they label the golf ball. This is my golf ball. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm so if you were to we've been talking a long time, uh-huh. but I, I don't care. I love I'm it. This has been great. Um so if you were just to tell somebody who's listening as we're wrapping up, um that's this in is, a situation that's in a hard spot right now. You've seen many different kinds of hard spots. Mm-hmm. I mean, marriages, relationships, friendships, yes. um, kids, so many hard things. What would your be your suggestion if they're feeling foggy? They don't know what to do. They don't know what decision to make. First of all, always know, always know that he will never leave you. He will always be through there with you through everything. Even during the period where I wasn't with him. He was still with me. And you're saying God, your father. <clears throat> the father, the father, the son, the Holy Spirit. They're with me everywhere I go. I mean, and that's that's one thing that um, even though I knew I wouldn't be in a good girl a lot of those times, I knew he was with me. I never knew that he had forsaken me or left me or just said, well, I'm done with you. He will never do that. He loves you too much. And he wants you to flourish. He wants you to flourish because he loves you. And he's never going to leave you. He's always with you. And I would just say, if you, I say, get help. Don't be, don't be, and tell, and share with people. Share what's going on with people that you value and trust, and a counselor or uh, somebody at church that you've gotten close to, or just a close friend. I mean, you know, just someone who really wants to know what's going on in your life and cares. You can't afford counseling. Going to an Al-Anon, if you're in a really dysfunctional relationship, to me it's free counseling Mm. because I got so much help. I learned to detach myself from the relationship, from the stuff that was going on, and you learn to value who you are, and then you add Jesus to all of that. It's like the whole package. Well, um, KK, yes, but author is Kay Whitaker. <laughs> Her book Flourish Because is on Amazon. You can download it Kindle. Um, we haven't even have a few sitting in here in the office. <laughs> you can come yeah. grab <laughs> first come first serve. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you so much for coming thank to you. talk to us. Um, I've enjoyed it very thank much, you. and I've heard so much about you over the years and your family and everything. <laughs> so it's fun to finally have sit down and have a good conversation. Well, I'm sure I feel a privilege to be here. Well, especially it's been sweet. with and my daughter. I was going to say <laughs> we love your daughter. I love your daughter. She came at a great time in my life too. Yeah, so I'm grateful good. for her. So anyway, anything else, Christy? We wrapping up. I want to. I want to say one thing though, yes. uh, Lisa Thanks. about Lisa. Her 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 musical. Yes, the, it's called Boy she... on Billboard, mm-hmm. and you can read about it. It's boyonbillboard.com, all lowercase. And they're going to perform. They performed last year in February to sold out crowd, small yeah. theater, very small theater. But this year it's in a bigger theater in Richardson, May the twelfth through the thirteenth. And you can get tickets now online. And uh, there's three different showings, and it's at First United Methodist Church in Richardson, a 300-seat theater. So exciting. Wow. It's awesome. It's really, and, and, and a lot of changes have been made to the play since last year. So it's Well, because they did better. a kind of a first look-see, right, and then mm-hmm. got some feedback and yeah. that kind of stuff. But, okay. Well, thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Well, that's it from Noisy Narratives for this week. Until next week, we'll talk to you all later. Noisy Narratives out. Bye. Life can be a